Hi everyone, I'm Greg Mutasevich. When I'm not co-hosting Robots from Tomorrow with Mike Romeo for Multiversity Comics, I'm writing their monthly comic book binding column, Shelfbound. And from now until June 5th, I'm auctioning off a different, custom-bound volume of comics from my collection every weekday to benefit the Hero Initiative. Auctions start at $25 and run for three days. Some of the binds up for auction include Alan Moore's Miracle Man, colored Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels, and the launch of Milestone Comics, signed and sketched by Dennis Cowan. Follow Multiversity Comics on Twitter and keep checking out the site every day to see what other comics we're pulling out of the long boxes and putting on bookshelves for charity. Maybe your bookshelf. Back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are moving through our DC events, and uh, after doing the uh, questionable Armageddon 2001 last week, we are here to talk about War of the Gods. Um, before we get into this, uh, I guess we should say it's a uh, George Perez helmed Wonder Woman based event. It ran through a lot of DC comics in the in 1991 and i had just read this less than a year ago as part of my big shazam read through vince had you read this book before i read it as part of my wonder woman read four years ago or whenever that was okay and zach had you read this before i had never read this before okay so i'm actually I'm, i'm most interested to start with zach then what did you think of this I, I love this. Aside from a, a few minor like nitpicks and, and things that might have been uh, a little bit clearer if I had read the entire event, um, I, I thought this or if I had read all of the preceding George Perez Wonder Woman run, um, I, I thought that this was a delight. I'm gonna I'm gonna not bury the lead. I think that this is maybe, this is this is definitely the best event since Crisis, and I think I maybe liked this better than Crisis. Huh. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Vince, what are your overall thoughts on this? I feel the same way. I think it's better than Crisis because it, it contains a lot of the Crisis elements, and we'll talk about them as we go through. But like, even some of the same characters show up. Yeah. But it does a lot it, of the same of, characters show up. A yeah, they them, do. A lot of them. But it does it does the thing where a bunch of um, you know this was this was a Wonder Woman centric event, but a bunch of non Wonder Woman characters show up in it, and they serve their own roles and they have their own side stories that spin off into their books and things. It's very much structured like Crisis. If Crisis were instead of twelve issues of its own series if it were a handful of issues from you know one character series mixed with its own you know it's the same thing though i mean really the way that it runs through wonder woman and the war of the gods book um it's 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 telling a similar sort of story in a similar kind of way um 
And I and I think it is better. I think there's a couple of qualms I have with it as we as we talk about it. But they they are chalked up to that's just the way that any event is. Any event, you're gonna see some seams here and there, right? You're gonna yeah. see some editorial seams. It's just the nature of the game, and uh, there's really no way to get around it. Um, this is as good of this sort of thing can be, and um, and I think it's it's also worth noting right up front that this is the end of George Perez's uh, Wonder Woman run and there was some editorial headbutting between him and and uh dc brass at the time over how he was going to end things and over how they were promoting the book he felt they weren't doing enough to promote uh wonder woman in a in a big wonder woman centric event um to celebrate her and get sales up and it ended up it ended up truncating his run just a tad, I think. I think he was pretty much winding down the way it was. But I think there's some stuff that, that didn't get done that he intended to get done. And I, I think that happens a lot, you know, and it's unfortunate. But um, just something to keep in mind as we talk about this. But I, I love this. Yeah, this is a very good event. Um, I enjoyed it considerably less this time around because the last time I read it, I read... I didn't just read the Wonder Woman and the event issues. I read everything, including, I think it was the seven or eight issues of Wonder Woman that preceded it, including the two issues of New Titans that gets Donna Troy sort of involved here. So I, I read the whole event and and probably and then some. And in doing that, the, the event feels very rich and very... Um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? It just it, it, it sort of you see the sprawling scope of it, but you're able to keep up with all the sprawl. Whereas here, I feel like there is so much that's introduced in those side issues that at times this can feel overwhelming, and you don't exactly know where things are coming from. You don't know where these characters are coming from in terms of both physically, like where where their story led them to here, but also sort of emotionally where they're coming from. And I think the biggest flaw of reading it this way is there are so many deities from these different pantheons that without the side issues where you get to know them, it can feel a little bit samey with, okay, wait a minute, Hercules and Heracles, what are the sort of personality differences there? You know, you just, you, it, it can be hard to to sort of get a real good read on who each of these characters are because you don't have that that time to get to know them a little bit better. Mm. But again, yeah, if I, if I, I hadn't read it the first way, I might not have felt that way now. Um, kind of on the scale of, you know, say like crisis and legends where it felt like you could read through it and not get need anything from the tie-ins compared to say millennium where you were absolutely befuddled if you didn't read the tie-ins. I felt like this was like somewhere in the middle, kind of leaning closer towards Crisis and Legends, but there were definitely a few times where I could tell that they were referencing events or, or characters had moved from one place, say in War of the Gods number three, to some somewhere in War of the Gods number four, and it's like, okay, well, how did how did they get there? Some something happened there that I don't know about. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's rare, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. 
I also want to say just before we get into sort of the the minutia which Vince is going to walk us through here, I think if you just picked up this trade and you didn't know when this fell in DC continuity, the art and <laughs> and sort of why are you laughing? Because I because I I thought about like some of the things that are very much from this era that are in this. Like you mentioned, the Steve Trevor and Etta Candy thing. Right, but, but what I was going to say is I feel like artistically this looks like it should have taken place before some of the other books we've read recently. And I think mm. that the art is more classic than like a Millennium or a um, Armageddon 2001 or even an Invasion. Like I think those books look yeah. more modern than this looks. It's weird I, I agree completely, yeah. yeah. It's weird to think that this comes after Invasion. There are books that look like Invasion being published before books that look like this. I, I'm, I'm not. That's not a judgment call. I like this art better than a lot of that. I just think yeah. that this looks more classic and less 1991 than some of the other books we've read. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, okay, so the principal artist on War of the Gods is, is George Perez doing the layouts. With Cynthia Martin, and then a, as as it goes along, a few others join for the finishes, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes. I have no idea where Perez begins, and I mean, I know what Perez's art looks like, and and it looks like this, you know. But I have no idea where he begins, and Cynthia Martin or some of these others end. You know, I think they do a pretty good job. There, there's a real, few. There's a real few artist pl- centipede. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Uh, but yeah. And then uh, uh, the, <laughs> the Wonder Woman issues uh, are, are mostly drawn by Jill Thompson, although there are a few others that jump in, I think, too, along the way. Um, but Jill Thompson's art is so good, too. And, and you're right. They're, they're, they're very much of this time. Um, but I think so much better than what we got with, like, Armageddon, and I like I like the Jer- the Jurgen stuff from Armageddon a lot. I, like I, I love his art, but I, I'm talking about some of the annuals and tie-ins that we read. Yeah, some of that some of that stuff is is more modern than this in like a ugh, I hate to say it, but like a putrid way. Like some of it is not good to look at, whereas all of this stuff is really nice to look at. Very detailed um, by comparison and really emotive and uh oh, fantastic um quick quick question about this in relation to armageddon that vince might be able to answer i know armageddon took place over the span of you know about half a year early in war of the gods we see hawk talking about or dove talking about you know wondering where hawk is and if it when he's going to come back and i know that there's an issue of hawk and dove that ties into this did this run like concurrently with armageddon or something so issue one of this came out before the finale of um armageddon that makes sense that's kind (laughs) of what i figured i just didn't do the you know the legwork to confirm that yeah I don't remember that Hawk and Dove tie-in at all. I did read it. I remember nothing about it, so I can't tell you if it references what happens in Armageddon, but I would I would guess it does not. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, so anything else to say before we before we dive in? Mm, I don't think so. All right, Vince, take us there. Okay. So, um 
odds starts off with uh, Harmonia. And I'm not, so as we go through this, there's a lot of granular detail we could get into about the different gods and their different offspring, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to get into that much detail as we go. Uh, like, I'm not going to name absolutely everybody we see, you know. Uh, and if I if I fuck up, like, uh, someone's relationship to another person, another god or something in this, you know, forgive me. It's a lot to juggle, you know. Um, okay, but anyway, the series starts off with Harmonia, who's the daughter of Ares. Ares is going to be a, a major figure in this story arc. I'm sorry, can uh, I say one thing before we get into this? I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. No. So um, about about uh, six months before this, the Themyscarian women, the Amazonians, come to man's world for the first time post crisis, and that is sort of that sort of sets up this entire story. Mm, it, yeah. It, thanks. So, yeah. I just feel like and there's some. That. Yeah, there's some trouble that happens. Uh, one of the one of the Themyscarians uh, ends up getting killed. Hippolyta goes missing. Um, it becomes kind of like a national, um, a national issue where the, the Amazonians are immediately distrusted by the people of man's world. Um, and, and you'll find out that that was, that was intentionally done, uh, by the villains in order to cause this. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good table setter for, for this story. Okay. So. Harmonia, daughter of Ares, called to the realm of the fates. The the fates uh, are these like literal, uh, mysterious cloaked figures that weave the the tapestry of time, you know. And they they have an ill portent of things that are coming, you know. And I just love I love right off the bat. I'm just gonna mention like how detailed these opening pages are, how gorgeous this looks, where the fates are weaving their their tapestry or whatever. And I, I just think like Perez has always done such detailed work and you know, that that's especially true, especially in the early uh, wonder Woman. like the first 12 issues of wonder woman are some of the greatest stuff I've ever seen. So if you haven't read that, you should, you should read this whole run, damn it. But the early part of this uh, event looks really great too, from the, from the opening page. Um, so anyway, the, the fates are warning, about, uh, you know, the, 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 the problems that are going to happen in this event to come. Um, meanwhile, the Bonamigdal, the kind of offshoot Amazon characters that are living in the, the Amazonian jungle, um, are uh, living and operating with Cersei, who's going to be the villain of this thing right now, and feel guys, feel free to jump in if you want to talk about any of this stuff. Sure. Um, but again, like, so they're working with Cersei because they feel like they're going to be getting something out of it that Cersei promised her great, great promised them great power or whatever. Um, Cersei is also working with a Doctor Conrad Kazlak, who's going to be an important. He's a Hawkman villain ordinarily, but he's going to be playing an important role in this as well. So he's there too. Um, and meanwhile, they also have agents going out into the world like Phobos, uh, who is in the Antarctic right now and is waiting for Cersei to do something, which we're not sure at this point what that is. 
then we see fire. We see characters like Firestorm because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's going to be characters who are not even really Wonder Woman adjacent. They're just DCU characters who are going to have their own stories that kind of run parallel to this. So Firestorm is one of those. Uh, right can now, I say, can I say one quick Firestorm thing? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, one of my Please favorite do. things happens in this comic, which is I love it when you're reading an old comic like this and you get a a really uh, in insightful look into what the ongoing was like at the time and at this time ronnie raymond was going by ron raymond who's trying to i guess like rebrand himself and uh they are they are very insistent that you call him ron too he says it like four or five times he does yes and so i i just wanted to point out ron raymond i just wanted to point out that one of the names of the fates is clortho which is the name that um frick moranis goes by in ghostbusters vince clortho (laughs) keymaster of gozer and I feel like Dan Aykroyd totally looked in some old, you know, books about different gods and chose that name on purpose. So, well, that that is like one of the one of the three fates. I think there are four fates in this, but like yeah. I think traditionally there are three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. The other thing about Firestorm is that it's currently it's not um, Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein combining to become firestorm firestorm is actually its own it's martin stein in elemental form separate from ronnie raymond right now they still share some sort of connection because like ronnie raymond can feel what firestorm is doing but he's he's not sent into space essentially so that firestorm can be here i something like that i don't know i I believe (laughs) that's what it seemed like yeah they're like ron not ronnie we need you to go to space because we need stein back here right right yeah there is still some connection there but it's not it's not the traditional firestorm setup that that we normally get okay then we see Ares, who's going to be another big villain character villain of sorts in this story um he is trapped in this uh, place between hell and limbo uh, for murdering Poseidon's son, apparently. That's that's how he got down there. Um, and the important thing to know, this is probably the only relationship I'm going to talk about as far as gods go. Ares is the father of Phobos, Deimos, Eris, and Harmonia. So we've seen Harmonia already. We've seen Phobos in the Antarctic. And Eris is in this scene. And it's indicated that Eris wants to take the throne from Ares and wants to go to war. Uh, Well, you'll find out that that she's kind of manipulating things from behind the scenes a little bit to try to take over Ares' uh, position. Okay. Um, So, oh, it was Helene. We we find out in this issue that it was Helene uh, that was killed by Cheetah in Man's World. That's part of what set off the the stuff that you were talking about, Brian, before this series began. Um, Hippolyta's missing. And meanwhile, like everybody in this issue is getting some sort of indication, whether cosmic or not, that the gods are returning. You know, the gods had left for a while and they're returning now. Um, they're back Hermes, and they're good again. They're back and they're good again. Ow! And, um, uh, Hermes and Heracles show up and they summon Diana to the new Olympus uh, that's been created for their return. Uh, And I love the double page spread early in this issue where Diana is showing up to new Olympus. 
It's like a really detailed uh, MC Escher drawing or something because there's like steps running everywhere. And then even when she lands, it's even like, uh, sorry, we know that your perspective isn't aligned with ours. Uh, we'll try to adjust things so that they make more sense to you. And then all of a sudden the world like warps so that it's, you know, up is up and down is down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I thought that was a very cool, cool thing. Yeah, Perez um, is so good. I, I feel like we can't overstate how good George Perez is. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, so on New Olympus, Zeus is currently in a coma. Who else but Pariah is standing by? Uh, watching Zeus in this coma and and kind of being a, a harbinger um, of the War of the Gods that is to come. Uh, Donna Troy's there, too, and she plays a really big role in this, too. Um, she plays a big role. Cool, she, Go ahead, Zach. Uh, I was going to say she's got her cool uh, star map suit on, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which also plays like literally plays a physical role later in the story. Yes. Uh, what I was going to say about Donna Troy is that she plays a big role, but she does almost nothing in these issues. Like she, she is very important, but we don't see her do that much. Yeah. And even, even the thing that she does towards the end is not really so much something that she's doing. It's something her costume is doing yes. <laughs> and that's it. But you know, whatever sure. she's, she's, a, she's, a, she's got the wonder woman connection. So um, she should have a role. Um, we see uh, Harmonia is crossing the river Styx, and to talk to Hades, it's not really Hades, though, and she gets attacked. Uh, Clarion the Witch Boy is watching. Uh, so this great, is just... great appearance. Love yes. that. I was hooting and hollering <laughs> when when Clarion showed up. Yep, Clarion and Tikal, of course. Um, and m- meanwhile, we see characters like Zatanna, Starman, they are getting Zatanna's getting a bad feeling. Starman is like flying and he gets knocked off course by something. All of these are just indications to set up that that something is afoot, right? It's the crisis thing, right? Like it's it mm-hmm. is Crisis on Infinite Earths where you see all these different characters reacting to a crisis that's about to take place. Yep. This should basically be one of the crises. I would, I would argue. Uh, it's a, it's full on. It hits all the, it hits all the bullet points. It really does. Um, yeah. Like, like, crisis characters show up. Uh, Red Skies gets mentioned once. It does. Um, by the uh, Batman. New got new gods show up. Magic characters do things. Um. The the biggest thing that it doesn't really have is a big flash present. That's kind of like the only. Well, it's Hermes. Her, Hermes is there. You're right. Her, and um, and one of them dies and gets turned into a skeleton. So okay, boom. Oh my! It's, I didn't it even think about that. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, baby. Okay. It's a crisis. It's a crisis. You even have towards this is spoiler alert. This is we're like talking about this eight issues too early, but you even have the new Olympus as taken over by Cersei. That is literally physically impinging upon the actual Earth side by side in like a crisis imagery. And you have at in the fourth issue an ad hoc team of heroes put together to defend the creation of the like to, to defend creation essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Oh, there's it's it's all here. It's all here. Yeah. Just um, if, is we, this... if we had just skipped if we had just done our. our our seven crises reading, reading, we would have missed all of this. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. It's um, <clears throat> this is the Will Payton Starman, right? Yes. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's what I thought. Although they never, I don't think they ever say Will, and so I was just. No. I assumed it, it was though. What I remember this issue, the the Starman tie-in very well because Will Payton worked in like the film industry as his career, and so it begins with like he's on a he's on a photo shoot for a model or something, and it got a little icky, if I recall. Um, <laughs> oh boy! But again, that, that was that was about a year ago. Maybe I'm misremembering this, but uh, I was I gonna make a joke about what film industry he was in. Well, but... you've you might have stumbled upon the truth there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird yeah it is more like porn star man <laughs> uh chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water man oh boy oh. It's a Limp Bizkit album. come on that one's for jeremy yeah exactly um <laughs> uh okay so um so cersei begins uh what's called the hellfire spell hellfire's web spell and it's this big web that envelops the earth and it shoots off fireballs all over the earth, all these different places. Metropolis all over the universe. Gets, all over the universe, yeah. Some <clears throat> but phallic, specific, phallic uh, <laughs> things shot off. Very much, yeah, very much so. Um, and so that's going on. Meanwhile, Harmonia, who uh, just got knocked into the river sticks, gets rescued by. The most obscure character, I think, in this series, probably, possibly, maybe, uh, Son of Vulcan, John Mann. Who, who plays a big role. <laughs> a humongous role for somebody that we have not seen in forever. And who was only, like, he was a Charlton character before, wasn't he? I believe so. I want to say. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, like, yeah, a very minor character has a huge role in this. It's Son of Vulcan. And that's just his name. Like, he's referred to as Son of Vulcan. His real name is John Mann, or he goes by some other <laughs> weird, weird name that I can't remember. But it's anyway, it's it's John Ham, son of Vulcan. <laughs> um, so, uh, so the son of Vulcan was actually supposed to be the human champion of the Roman gods. So the 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 normal gods that are associated with Themyscira and Wonder Woman are the Greek gods, right? Well, the, the the big turning point that creates the War of the Gods is the Roman gods showing up to say, like, hey, you Greek gods are the imposters. You know, we're the, we're the real deal. And uh, Son of Vulcan was supposed to be their, their human champion, whereas Diana is, of course, the Greek gods. Not, she's not exactly human, but, like, humanoid, right? Yeah. Champion. Um, and so... In, so Son of Vulcan rescues Harmonia and says, you know, hey, we, we, I'm, I'm here to fight against what's coming and I'm going to need your help, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, on New Olympus, the Roman gods show up to throw down. And who else do they bring with them as their human champion except for Billy Batson? So this is going to be Diana versus Billy Batson. Which is a great reveal. Fantastic reveal awesome premise for a, a conflict in this issue. Great stuff. There, There is some good Captain Marvel stuff in this comic. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, at this point, Zeus gets up from his coma because I guess, you know, the Roman gods showing up are enough to wake him up from the from the, the, the Odin sleep or whatever he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and 
Zeus and Jupiter fight, Captain Marvel and, and Wonder Woman fight. All these gods are clashing. Again, Circe's sending out all these energy balls everywhere. Um, they're hitting different, like one hits Markovia, so Geoforce is kind of awoken to like earthquakes in Markovia. Um, a, a fireball hits Egypt. Um, it's causing unrest in the Helmet of Naboo. So then you start to get your 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 uh, magic characters uh, kind of are getting roped into this. Uh, one of them hits the Hawkman Museum in Chicago, Metropolis. It alerts Superman. So now you're getting all the DCU characters involved at this point. This this is crisis level shit at this point. Um, so uh, you, you get your you get your obligatory. Uh, dark side apocalypse. Sure. I love how I love how in every event so far, Dark Side has either had an integral role or we've at least seen one scene where they show him and he goes, nah. uh, you know, let, let, <laughs> let's let them fight and then we'll pick over the scraps and this is all done. Yep. And uh, and so that's that's where he basically is at this point. You also see Lobo and Telepath at this point because they the Legion gets the, the 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 acronym Legion team gets peripherally involved in this. Lobo has a very fun role in this thing. If you're a Lobo head, you got to read War of the Gods. Yeah, the the, the um, Legion tie-in is uh, Lobo and Captain Marvel in a bar beating the piss out of each other. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> that tracks. Yes, that totally tracks. Um, Mercury and Hermes. So that the two like speedster gods of the of the Roman and, and Greek variety uh, appear together, and they're kind of they're like the only gods that are not fighting. They're actually kind of like helpful gods in this, um, and they they kind of break up the fight by sending they send Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel away. Billy crash lands with Lobo, and I think Diana just ends up. She just ends up in D.C. or New York or something like that. It's usually Boston in this in this era. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's yes. Yeah. Um, yes, that's right. How could I forget? Um, uh, you also get an Aquaman appearance. There's going to be some uh, underwater things that go on here. Uh, some 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 water based gods. Uh, you see Justice League Europe because. Um, Power Girl gets called away. At this point, Power Girl has the Atlantean connection rather than the Kryptonian one. And Which so again, I think she's is a wild. very weird thing. Yeah. Very wild, yeah. So she's in the weird gold costume and she's also part Atlantean at this point. Isn't she the granddaughter of Arion or something like that? I believe so. Yeah. Um yeah, and you also and then so we go back to the Antarctic, which we saw Phobos there earlier at the end of this issue, and you get a Cave Carson appearance. So a rare, they're posting rare Cave Carsons to the timeline right so now. One of the things that I noted in this was that this series tries to do two things at the same time, which is it tries to make sure we get every permutation of a deity from the DC universe in this book. But we also get a look at almost every character in the DC universe in this book. Like, yes. we at, at one point they just show the JSA in limbo, and they're like, "Got to keep fighting." All right, see you guys that, later. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. was the other uh, Armageddon thing that yeah. tipped me off. That that yes. okay, this clearly happened before the Inferno. Yes, yes. Mini, yeah. yeah. 
But yes. there's no really, really no purpose to show the JSA. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, well, no, other than there that, is they're purpose. fighting Surtur. Yeah. yeah, they're fighting Surtur, who, who Loki is trying to call. Right. But I and mean, he, and Sir, yeah. I mean, you're right. In the in the in, in the, the greater narrative. Things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And and so then the the issue ends with. Uh, I'm gonna fuck up the pronunciation of this, but Quetzalcoatl. Yep, Quetzalcoatl. You got it. But uh, yeah, the the serpent beast coming out of the ice in Antarctica, and Phobos sends it. Well, it's implied that it's implied that Phobos is gonna send it to Metropolis, but I don't think I don't think it ever ends up in Metropolis because Superman shows up. Um, but uh, and that's how and that's how this first issue ends. So jam packed with making sure that you know what absolutely everybody in the DC universe is doing when the war of the gods between the Romans and the Greeks began. Um, you guys have anything to say about this first issue before we move on? Just a question. Are we just going through the, the issues of the, of the uh, miniseries? We're going to go through Wonder Woman also, because that's a lot I was, to get through. I was going to very quickly just mention what happens in the Wonder Woman okay, issues. Sure. Yeah. Not, not like, not as in, in depth. Okay. Okay, so then in Wonder Woman 58... Oh, w- one thing oh, yeah. I'll mention really quick about War of the Gods is there are these awesome Chris Sprouse, George Perez pinups at the end of every issue with mm, just yes. random characters that are... It, it's just very funny to me. Yes, yes, very good. Very good stuff. Um, so the Wonder Woman issues are, are a little interesting because um, they're definitely not as essential to the War of the Gods story, but they do fill in some of the cracks, but some of it also overlaps. Like this, for, like Wonder Woman 58, the beginning of the issue is kind of halfway through War of the Gods, number one, because like, um, it it starts before the, Ro- the Roman gods show up because a few pages in, Menelippi shows up and again warns that the gods are coming, which is a vision she had early on in War of the Gods, number one. So um, it also gives you a look at what Steve Trevor's doing right now. He's being investigated for his connections to the to Wonder Woman and the Amazonians. And some of the unrest on Earth kind of takes place in these Wonder Woman issues. Um, but the, the, the main reason I wanted to talk about this Wonder Woman issue, uh, and we're going to kind of breeze by it, but it's got one of the most fun... Uh, aspects of this whole event, which is uh, Heracles stumbling upon Atlas holding up, yep. holding up Themyscira, and he's this like, like Atlas is depicted as this like jolly but like taunting, kind of rude even, uh, kind of like almost naked guy. <laughs> he's just like a big naked guy holding up the island, and it's a great image, and the stuff, the like the 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 verbal sparring between him and Heracles is very fun. And uh You're leaving out the best part. What's that? Which is that Heracles is like, wait a minute, you're being a dick. What's going wait a minute, you're not my Atlas, you're a different Atlas. Yeah, which, which and is Atlas, like the height of confusion. Right. <laughs> and Atlas thinks that Heracles is Hercules, but it's right. not, it's Heracles. So yeah, it's a fun it's a fun kind of misunderstanding moment. And then and then when Atlas realizes that, he like pieces out. Yeah, and like, Gotta go. <laughs> leaving leaving Heracles to try to hold up the island himself. Um it's a fun it's a fun bit. 
Also, you get a little bit at the end of uh, Inspector Indelicato, who was a, a pretty integral uh, Perez Wonder Woman character, kind of a Earth, an Earth ally to Diana. He's um, almost her Jim Gordon. Yeah, yes, that's a very good, very good pull. Mustache and everything. Yep. He's got a killer uh, mustache. Yeah. I, I don't know if Jim Gordon ever was like a, uh, a raving topless drunk, but <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Wonder Woman 58. Then it goes to Wonder Woman 59, which gets Batman and Robin involved. Um, and they play kind of a peripheral role. And this is still very early in the the kind of uh, crossover event uh, DC era where like Batman and Robin would show up, but they wouldn't do a heck of a lot because they were still very much treated as street street level heroes that wouldn't get involved in things like this. Yep. Um, but they do kind of play a, a play a role as like a, a ground game sort of thing in man's world. Um, and let's see what else happens in this issue. Anything of note? Um, <laughs> Dr. Psycho, Dr. Psycho, uh, call, uh, kind of psychically dials in warning, uh, Mikos, who is one of Cersei's, uh, allies that there's a traitor among Cersei's group. And I, I just like it because at one point, uh, Dr. Psycho's like, give Cersei a kiss for me or something like that. He's, he's so horny for Cersei. You can tell. Well, uh, and he's, uh, and he, what's that? Did you see the tweet I sent out involving Dr. Psycho today from the DC? No, account? I yeah. don't think I did. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a Dr. Psycho tweet out there for you guys to enjoy. So scroll back okay. 10 days, whatever from listening to this and you'll find it. So, <laughs> but the, the big important thing that happens in wonder woman 59 is that cheetah arrives at the end, peeking through the, uh, Vanessa Capitalis's. She's the, uh, teenage friend of wonder woman in man's world in Boston. Um, and Cheetah uh, peeks through her window like spaghetti from Tim and Eric. Looks just like spaghetti. <laughs> Looks like uh, a combination of spaghetti and the landlord from Kingpin. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 Who's like? What does he have? Like an improv show or like a a one man show or no, something? No, but... you're thinking of the Big Lebowski. Oh, I'm thinking of Big Lebowski. Uh, I'm talking about the okay. woman in Kingpin who, uh, um, Munson. Uh, tries to cheat out of money. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, 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 I do. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's... Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I'm totally thinking of, the, of Big Lebowski. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right, War of the Gods 2. Okay, so we'll get we'll get back into some detail here. Um, what did you get... Well, before we move on, what did you guys think of the Wonder Woman issues? Like, I, I felt like more than some of the other tie-ins, I didn't, I didn't read any of them, but I read about them. Um on like the DC Wikia. Mm -hmm. Um, The Wonder Woman's ones seemed more integral to the plot, but I I think, I suspect you could have read War of the Gods and not missed too much without them. Well, you would have missed the Jill Thompson arc though. Yes. I also think that you would have missed how personal this all feels to Diana. Mm, mm -hmm. Because this is really... This is such a Diana-centric event, but you wouldn't really know that if you just read that. I mean, obviously, she's the star of it, but I feel like you get to see her perspective so much in those issues. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let's do this. Before we get to issue two, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with more DC3. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, so now we're on to War of the Gods, issue number two. And I'm going to kind of be a little faster here because um, I'm not going to get into such granular detail now that we're now that we're into the story. Again, if you guys have anything to say, just jump right in. Um, okay, so this issue is pretty much the the Roman gods and the Greek gods fighting. Um, we go to some other places, but, you know, we return a lot to New Olympus to see how that fight is going. Um, we also see the effects that that fight is having on and and Circe is having on the rest of the Earth. So, um, you know, like in Keystone City, you're seeing like gale force winds taking over the city. And I assume a lot of this stuff is covered in the tie ins. It is. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um and, you know, part of the big conflict here is that uh, Cersei is trying to take down Gaia, you know, or Earth or whatever itself, you know, and, and that Gaia is kind of treated when they refer to Gaia in this, they're really just talking about the Earth. Like anytime they say Gaia, they just show an image of the Earth out in space. Mm-hmm. But she's talked about as like the goddess of Earth. Right. And um at this point, uh, the other gods that are not Roman or Greek start showing up. And this stuff is really cool, I think. Like, I, I love to see all these different designs uh, of the different gods. You get the African gods, which uh, Firestorm is going to deal with. You get the Egyptian god. African character, oh. Firestorm. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, yep. <laughs> they couldn't find yeah. one African character to go there. <laughs> he, he gets to do that a few times. He's like... He he deals with the African gods here, and then in a later issue, I think he's the representative for the Hindu gods. So <laughs> he's not just a not catch-all. problematic, not, not at all. <laughs> um, you get the Egyptian gods with Doctor Fate. Um, you get the you get uh, Tiamat, I believe is how you say that, which is like a, a, a undersea sea dragon god that aquaman has to fight um and then you get uh black well you get what happens is um characters who are fighting on new olympus are getting struck by lightning and it's interesting because like like hercules gets struck by lightning and disappears and then at the very same time black adam randomly appears in new york city in a bolt of lightning and this happens a couple times to different characters. So it's so that's something to keep in mind. You also get, halfway through this issue, an appearance from Thor, Loki. Actually, Perez pretty much rattles off as much like 
<laughs> Asgardian terminology that you will see in a Marvel Thor comic in two pages as he can possibly fit into this. You get like the uh, Yggdrasil, the, the, the tree. Um, you get all the realms. You get all the realms. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this this realm has everything <laughs> it's got. <laughs> And Loki is calling for Surtur, who you, who was in the, uh, the the sort of cold opening of Thor Ragnarok, right? That's like the that's how Thor Ragnarok starts, right? That's Surtur, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, you get you get all sorts of fun, like because obviously Thor, the idea of Thor is a, uh, it's not something Marvel owns, you know. So they get to they get to play with those characters too. I have um, often wondered how desperate DC would have to be to publish a Thor ongoing <laughs> to try yeah, well, and, like, uh, you know, steal some of the Marvel's thunder. I'm somewhat surprised that that has never happened because, like, there are examples of Marvel and DC both publishing sort of uh, public domain characters like, um, oh, God. I Haven't they both done, like, Sherlock Holmes stories or probably there's there's something like that where they've both published like King Arthur stories or something like that. And I'm just surprised that 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 DC doesn't have I mean, I, they, do, they do have their own Thor, but they never they never use it. You know, I yeah, I want oh, I would love to see that one day. I, I would love for them to go all out with like a big creative team and, and just put Thor on the Justice League just like just go all out with it and see how far they can get just to like see how pissy Disney and Marvel get I wonder I I wonder if there's like design elements they couldn't touch I'm sure there are yeah for sure they would have to make them look yeah, because these but, ones don't yeah. these ones don't really look like no, but Thor I mean, and Loki. I, IDW's had their Ragnarok series for a while now, the Walt Simonson one, where yeah. it's a Thor story that doesn't look like Marvel's Thor, but it's still a Thor story. Yeah, yes, it could happen. I mean, they could do it. They could one hundred percent do it. They should do it. They should do it. Do it. It would be. Could you it. could you imagine the posts you would see about it from people who don't understand how oh, <laughs> that sort of thing it would be fantastic? Oh, just the best Reddit cringe. I want I want this to happen more than anything now. <laughs> we we could do a whole show about the Reddit cringe. <laughs> I feel it would like be our, our own episode of report this post. <laughs> I, I feel like there are so many moms out there who get in trouble with their like preteen sons for saying like, "Do you have any comic books where Batman and Thor play together?" And they're like, "Mom, they're in different universes." And so like to have that now negated would be so great. It'd be fantastic. I would love it. Yeah, I want that to happen. I just, I just, I, I'm just a messy bitch who loves drama. That's why. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay sorry sorry folks no, yeah no that's all right uh, they that that's more interesting than anything i just said about war of the gods so okay Aww. no um no no this this series is great um okay uh one of the other interesting things that happens is um phobos starts manipulating uh uh superman and so like in the antarctic pariah shows up and superman it's a very like oh yeah it's a very super dickery moment because like superman walks up to pariah and he's like you're the guy you he sees he sees krypton uh blowing up in pariah's eyes 
And he's like, you only ever appear when death is about to happen. And he basically blames like every tragedy yep. on earth on Pariah and then kicks his ass. <laughs> and it's a very non-Superman moment, except that you, you later find out that Phobos is controlling him, of course. Of course, because that's how these things go. Um, but it's a very it's a fun super dickery moment. And poor Pariah just I mean, he is the pariah of all of this. He just he lives to just get his ass kicked and cry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, uh, you also see you see Eris start to move against Ares because Ares has like a pact that that he, you know, he may. He may uh, have beef with the other Greek gods and whatnot, but he was never going to move against Earth uh, in under current circumstances. And Eris thinks that Eris thinks that her dad's being a big wuss by not doing that, and 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 she would like to uh, turn the tables on that. Um, let's see. Power Girl ends up showing up to help Aquaman again because of the Atlantean connection. Um, at the Tower of Fate, meanwhile, this is where all the magic users get together. So we see this is another very crisis thing. It's all a very crisis thing. Show up, yeah. Except remember, remember how we talk about how like the magic users show up in all these events, but then they decide they can't really. They yep. try and it doesn't work, or else they can't really intervene because it would cause too much trouble. I think that's how is that is that was that Legends that did that, or was that Millennium where like. Uh, Invasion, like the magic characters weren't allowed because it oh, would upset it was... the the order of ba- uh, the balance of order and chaos. That's one hundred percent what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but 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 apparently that wouldn't be the case here because they're going to help. Yes, and I must say that the, another reason why this is one of my favorite events is that the magic users play a big role, and the thing that they do actually is super helpful and super useful. <laughs> they do like two big things over the they course do, of the series. They like do a couple the, big things. Yeah. The, the shield and the animal man thing that yeah. we'll get to. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a great moment. Um, so they actually, they, the magic users, the specter, Dr. Fate, Zatanna, Phantom Stranger, Madam Xanadu are all gathered at the tower of fate and wonder woman and Geoforce show up. And they do a really cool thing where they combine Wonder Woman and Geoforce's powers by wrapping the lasso around both of them and then casting some Earth protection spell through Geoforce's Earth powers. And I, I just love the way, like, I love the way how all the gods get kind of enveloped into this story, but also how they play upon, like, Geoforce is not a god, but there's an elemental aspect to him that kind of is god adjacent right right like a lot of that they play upon a lot of that elemental stuff in a really interesting way yeah they call they call um like diana i think like the soul or the heart of the earth and and geoforce is like the body of the earth or something like that yeah yeah and during the spell they refer to him as like the the son of the son of mother earth or something like that you know like mother earth's son or something mother nature's son (laughs) <laughs> right, born, born a poor old country boy. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so they're crafting this earth protection spell, and meanwhile, Cersei's spell is failing, and Wonder Woman and Cersei can kind of sense one another moving against each other, and there's some really cool imagery of this spell working to create a shield around Gaia or Earth, 
and um and yeah it ends it ends up like working temporarily at least until until Cersei tries something else right um but but yeah it's a really it's it's kind of the way this issue kind of ends with a semi victory you know well so I, this is something I wanted to talk about for a little bit um yeah yeah I, go for it I feel like both this and Crisis do this where Crisis kind of has multiple big victories for the good guys and I feel like today this would have been War of the Gods 1 and 2 would have been Dark Knight's Metal and 3 and 4 would be Dark Knight's Death Metal like everything is just so decompressed now that there's there's as much story in these first two issues as in any major DC event of the last 10 years mm, absolutely yeah Absolutely. And yep. I, th I think that's a good thing. Although I will say, like, for those of us that are more used to reading modern comics, our delicate sensibilities might be somewhat thrown off by just having so much happen at once. Mm hmm These are very, very dense comics. They, very dense. You know, like, each issue of War of the Gods is about 40 pages of story, and they probably take at least 30 minutes to get through, maybe even a little bit more just because yeah. of how jam-packed they are. Yeah, definitely. But I think the, the thing that I will say about that, and you know me, like, I prefer an econ economy of storytelling that still accomplishes something. And the thing that I hate more than anything else is when it's just, you know, the, 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 the stereotypical, and I'm going to admit that it's stereotyping, um, criticism of... Uh, writer artists is that they, you know, tend to overwrite and they explain, explain too much when they could show it on the page. Uh, there's a lot of words on these pages, but I, but I, I honestly don't think that what Perez is doing is over explaining. I don't get that sense. Like it's a lot to read, but it's mostly usually I think just utilized to keep track of and 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 make sure that everyone has a role in this massive cast for this massive event, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I it agree. could I think it could be said that the story would be easier to read if there were less deities involved and that maybe the story itself could have been a little bit stronger with a smaller cast. But I think if you're talking about the cast that's presented, you need all this dialogue. Yes, that's that's well said. Yep. And I find it easy enough to disregard most of the guy. Like, you don't really need to keep track of who's a Roman god, who's a Greek god, what are they, what are they all doing? Because really, when, when you see them, they're usually just brawling, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. It's, it's, it's easy enough to just kind of breeze through that stuff without worrying about if you know who every character on the page is. But you're right, Brian. If they did have a tighter cast, they could probably get a little more personal with that stuff. Um, I, I yeah. was actually thinking about this because one of the big questions has been, like, all right, if Wonder Woman 84 is a hit and everyone thinks it will be, what would be the logical adaptation for a third Wonder Woman story? And I think a War of the Gods adaptation would be really interesting, but oh, a version of this would be so good. Yeah, but you'd have to pare it down to almost an 
unrecognizable amount. Mm-hmm. Like how how would you begin to tell this story without Captain Marvel, without the Suicide Squad, without Black Adam and, and Captain Marvel? Like you know, it's just like without. Well, um, you could use Captain. You you could use Shazam. Oh, you certainly could, but I you know I don't know if if DC is willing to do would want to do that. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you did the story essentially as. In, you know, instead of it being all the gods come back, it's just that the Greek gods. Even in Wonder Woman, we don't see the Greek gods. We see Ares, right? But that's it. Right. So even if the Greek gods returned, you know, you could do and have Cersei as the villain, or the Roman. You know, just 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 not have every single, uh, you know, representative there. Yeah. Well, the way to do it is to to have. War of the Gods, Infinity War, and War of the Gods Endgame. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, but I thought that same thing thing too, reading this. Like, man, if you were to do a Wonder Woman movie that would really, like, blow the pants off of people, do do this. It would be like, it would be like unlike any other superhero movie, you know? Yeah. It's also even even the even this, the Thor movies would feel like much smaller than this. Yeah, what I was gonna say, it's interesting that this hasn't been adapted for an animated film yet, because I feel like DC has been taking their more ambitious stories and doing them animated as opposed to trying to do them live action. But there's mm-hmm. never even been an attempt at a War of the Gods animated film, as far as I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see that the that the you know new fifty two DC animated universe is ending or has yeah. ended? I did yeah. not see that. No. Yeah. This uh, this upcoming Justice League Dark movie, I think, is the the final one. I wonder if that's to set up a new like series, or if they're just going to put these to bed for a while. No, they're going to do. Um... They're doing more like standalone ones, like the Red Sun and stuff like that. Okay. They're still gonna have like two a year or something like that. Um, they're just gonna do the ones that couldn't possibly fit, fit into some sort of continuity, or so that they just don't have to care about that stuff. All right. Um, okay. So, so that's pretty much the end of this issue. The last few pages show the different heroes kind of regrouping like uh aquaman and power girl kind of go off because they've they've beaten up tiamat you know and etc etc geoforce ice and fire they all kind of go their separate ways back to back to where they were before and uh wonder woman flies off too saying she's tired of being a pawn for the gods and black adam the the one kind of cliffhangery thing about this issue is Black Hat, Black Adam, back on Earth, is watching the Suicide Squad or watching Task Force X, planning on recruiting them for something, um, and that's where this ends. Uh, let's see. So then we go to Wonder Woman sixty, and I'm just gonna quickly check and see if there's anything I really need to talk about here. Um, there's kind, of, there's some stuff about. Batman um, investigating this goblet, this Themyscirian goblet that's supposed to be in Gotham. Um, 
that is tied to the disappearance of Hippolyta, but that we, we won't really resolve that until later. Is this where Wonder Woman dresses up as Hawkwoman? Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so yeah. I, I do want to say that there's a... I think it's in War of the Gods 1, maybe. There's a moment where Hawkwoman is just talking such shit on Diana, how much yes. she hates her, and she just give her five minutes with her, and she'll fuck her up. You know, it's really dark. And then a sort of a big part of the... Um, some of the tie-ins that we didn't read, and then you see this in Wonder Woman 62, which is the epilogue, is this like budding friendship between Wonder Woman and Hawkwoman, which begins here. Yeah. That's all. Yep. Yep. Okay, so then so then the search for this um the search for this goblet or whatever leads well they actually they actually find it, I think, and then it leads them it leads Wonder Woman to Egypt where Lobo is fighting the Shimtar, right? And the Shimtar is like this um, Amazonian, like rogue Amazonian warrior, but it's always somebody, it's somebody, somebody who's like chosen for that mantle, right? They, I believe they, so, yes. they dealt with this in Scott Lobdell's uh, uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws with um, Artemis. Mm-hmm. Right, wasn't Artemis the Shimtar at one point or something like that? I don't remember how that goes. But anyway, in in this story, one, so Wonder Woman starts fighting her and defeats her, and then finds out that it was Hippolyta, and Hippolyta, and, and now Hippolyta, Hippolyta was the Shimtar, and Hippolyta's on death's door now because of because of her daughter. Okay, so then we move on to, and we'll we'll find we'll we'll find out how that came to be in a later issue here. But um, now we're on to War of the Gods number three, and at this point, Black Adam has Task Force X with him, and they are approaching Cersei's castle. Um, Meanwhile, Son of Vulcan has gathered the Metal Men. So now now in like the second half of War of the Gods, you start to fold some of these other characters in. And usually what happens is it's a, a character who is already currently in the story going and getting another character who wasn't in the story yet. So you get the Metal Men brought in. You get Task Force X brought in. You get the, the best one to me is the magic users bring Animal Man in. I would say that's tied with the Metal Men for the best one. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach, are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, okay. I'm still here. I want to make sure we didn't lose you. Okay. Um, so uh, Wonder Woman is trying to, to, to get Hippolyta healed. Um and so that kind of is like taking her out of the fight for now. Um, meanwhile, Cersei's new plan is to have these <laughs> be- beast beastiomorphs, beast bestiality morphs, and an- animorphs, animorphs. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a visionary! These are the original animorphs. Yep, they're reverse animorphs though, because weren't they animals originally? Yes, so I believe like, so. Like, it's like the reverse concept. 
What? Wait, what? Animorphs? No, Anim- These, no an- the animorphs are humans who turn into animals. They, they go monsters. both ways. The oh. beastiomorphs go both ways. There, okay. there were men that became beasts and beasts that become men. Okay, I... I... And, or, no, beasts that became manly beast because like <laughs> because like that guillermo like and, and mikos yeah guillermo and, and mikos are are yes, the kind right. that were man that could become beasts you're right you're right yes thank thank you thank you for that <laughs> um black so the reason why black adam black adam is like compelled towards circe and he doesn't know why but it turns out it's because of this egyptian artifact to to do Cersei's sort of magical takeover of everything. She's needed to gather all these artifacts with her. And one of them is this Egyptian artifact that draws Black Adam to her. But the thing that I like about this scene is that Cersei just wants to smash. When, oh, yeah. she, when she sees Black Adam, like she is. Yeah, she's down to smash. Um, she basically says like he's he basically is like, what do you want? And she's like, oh, so we're not going to fuck. OK, cool. Yeah. Yeah. She literally said, yeah, she's like, oh, so you don't want to have a tryst. OK, yeah. uh, which is like the polite way of saying that. Yeah. Um, OK, so animal man among the magic users. There's this like multi-level plan that they have for using him to combat Cersei's latest move. And I like this part because they get started with. What are, what are they? They refer to him as like chapter one or something like that. Yeah. What do they say? Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. this is the first stage of his plan or whatever. It's a 12-step program yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, and as soon as they start uh, chapter one of the plan, <laughs> Phantom Stranger is like, I I need to leave. I'm, yeah. I'm, I've got things I need to take care of. And they're like, you can't leave. We're not even – we haven't even started step one. And he's like, uh, you know, something else called. He basically is Leonard Nimoy from the Marge versus the Monorail didn't episode. I? Yeah, exactly. Like, well, you haven't, you haven't even done anything yet, didn't I? And then he disappears. Um, that's so that's his role in this thing. But they they make sure to say like, you know, there's the Phantom Stranger being all Phantom Strangery. This is what he always does. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's some bad stranger pun, as I recall. Um. So Diana is taking the wounded Hippolyta back to Themyscira and like a bunch of dicks, the, the U S sends a bunch of fighter jets at her. Um, so, so she's got to deal with that. Um, let's see the fight between the Romans and the, and the Greeks are st- is still going on. Um, Ares has joined the fight. Ares is fighting Mars at this point, which Mars is the Mars is the Ares counterpoint counterpart in uh, Roman mythology, I guess. Yep. Um, yep. If you've ever seen uh, Waiting for Guffman, there's a whole song about nothing ever happens on Mars, and it says <laughs> a planet named for the Roman god of war. So that's right. Yes. Boring. Boring. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and at this point, also, the wizard Shazam returns um, with the wounded Billy Batson and the Metal Men for some reason. Like, how did the, how did the Metal Men get – Son of Vulcan brought them, right? Son of Vulcan brought them uh, because uh, – so uh, this is really explained in, a, in issue four. Um, should, should we say that for issue four? 
Sure. I yeah. love that stuff. So I can, I can go deep on that. Oh, I want you to, yeah. I want you to go off on that Captain Marvel stuff. Yeah. Cause they do a whole, like they really get into the backstory there. They do like flashbacks and shit. They do. Um, but anyway, the, the, so the, now we're nearing the end of issue three here and the big, the big, uh, gambit with, with Buddy Baker, Animal Man is that they're using, uh, they're using him as a conduit again, much like Geoforce to, revert the bestiomorphs to their original forms. Um, and again, that works. And so Cersei's Gambit here is, is, you know, for the most part defeated. Um, and this is also where, so, so at this point, Cersei's going to take matters into her own hands. She shows up to Themyscira with, the skeleton of Hermes, <laughs> which is your, which is your, your flash death of this event and, uh, starts turning Diana back into clay, into her original clay form. I'm surprised I they also... didn't wrap Hermes in a flag and put him on his parents' front step. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Superman found out, he would have done that. Right. Um, I also have in my notes here that at one point Pariah, isn't crying he's actually laughing i can't remember yeah. why i wrote that. Yep. yeah at one point he's he's not crying he is actually laughing that's why <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was really afraid uh, there was something else that was happening at that point i can't remember exactly what it was oh i think like don't you see pariah's face in donna troy's yes star his, yeah his, yes his face starts to poke out like the like the frighteners yeah yeah, yeah, I thought like, oh no, they're gonna do some kind of weird psycho pirate thing here and make this very crisis. Um, but that that didn't happen, which was fine. <laughs> All right, so that that's pretty much where this issue ends. Is there anything? Oh, uh, about that aerial assault that comes after Diana, uh, St- Starman and Hawkman and Hawkwoman get some get a chance to come and help out with that, so they get they get more to do in this. Um, but that's pretty much it for issue three. Anything else you guys wanted to talk about with issue three? Mm-mm. No, I, I think that's about it. Okay. Uh, Wonder Woman 61 is next. I'm not going to talk too much about this, but um, it, it explains how Cheetah, and we, we referred to this earlier, how Cheetah kind of got roped into all of this. She became codependent on this drug that Cersei gave her. It, it was something to enhance her, like, be- I, I imagine it was the same thing that the Beastie Morphs got, but since Cheetah already was kind of that, like, it just enhanced her, her, her bestial form to become more powerful or more, more savage or something. Um, but the reason why that is important is because, um, you know, Cheetah was the one who caused the murder when the Amazonians came to, uh, man's world that kind of set all of this stuff in motion to 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 distrust the the themiscirans so this gives you the back more of the backstory to that um and it also explains that hippolyta became the shimtar by drinking from the themiscirian goblet which actually wasn't themiscirian it was a banamigdal metal that caused her to become the shimtar so you get backstory on that as well. This this Wonder Woman 61 is really about filling in a couple of the cracks. And it's a little weird because 
at the end of the issue, the Beastie Morphs are attacking uh, Inspector Indelicato and then reverting, reverting back to their animal form at the end of this issue. So it kind of takes place concurrently with the issue of War of the Gods we just talked about because at the beginning of the issue, the Beastie Morphs are still a thing. So it's kind of, it's kind of a weird... Again, it's like most of the issue takes place concurrently with War of the Gods 3. So things are a little bit out of order in the, if, if you're reading the trade. By the way... This I is like the most modern eventy. Like this is like yeah. Talk about is, that a little. Well, this is. I mean, this is my relation to everything. I don't know. This is like in Jason and Aaron's Thor run with War of the God or War of the Realms, how the Thor issues acted, and how in Blackest Night, you know, this is how the Green Lantern issues were. This is this is like kind of the prototype. I feel like for. Um, for kind of creator run driven events yeah. i mean that's a really good point crisis is sort of the first event of this type right before that there weren't events of this scale and so it took about 10 six years or so before we're starting to see creators sort of think of events as something that's theirs and this mm -hmm. is definitely the first one that feels this creator and character driven yeah yeah, for sure. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say that now I forgot. Um, um, okay, anyway. All right, on to War of the Gods, number four. Okay, so at this point, um, Cersei is taking over uh, Themyscira and is creating somehow creating a new Olympus that's expanding to take Earth's place. And it's very much like, it's very much doing the crisis sort of incursion imagery. Uh, and this is where the crisis characters really come together. You see Pariah, Harbinger, and Lady Quark all together, um, you know, discussing how dire things are and, and uh, you know, trying to figure out what they can do. And you also see at this point, Diana is quote unquote dead, which I also feel like that's another thing with like, is, is this the first I'm trying to think, was this, was this before or after uh, Jurgen's Superman stuff? This is before this is before I feel like it's become a thing. And, you know, Grant Morrison is famous for saying this about Batman. Scott Snyder tells this story all the time. Um, it's become a thing for writers who are going to be doing long runs on characters to either kill the hero, even, even for just a short amount of time, right. Or to take them out of their mantle for a short amount of time and then return them by the end of their run. And I feel like this was, this was a very early example, perhaps the first I can think of of a creator doing a long run on a character and at some point killing that character and having them come back to life. <laughs> it's all done in the span of like six weeks or whatever, too. It's a very short time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I will say at this point, I'm pretty sure that Steve Rogers has not been Captain America. Like there's the whole U.S. agent stuff that oh, happened. Oh, okay. So, okay, that was, that was before this. I believe so. 
and um, maybe maybe this is when we got. I think War Machine was already a thing at this point too. Okay. But but those I I don't know if those happened within long creator like uh, runs or not. Sure. But this certainly feels like the first DC example of that. Yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. So while Diana's quote unquote dead, we see Dead Man and some of the other magic characters kind of convening to 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 contact her and save her. You t- it turns out. Zach, I want you to go off on this, if you can. That Clarion is kind of the hero of the day at this point. Yeah, I, so this um, this was interesting because you know I I mentioned that I really liked that Clarion showed up in the first issue, and then I really forgot that he showed up, and then this happened, and I was like, oh, I wish we could have gotten to see that, and I wondered if maybe it was in a tie-in somewhere. I think it is. Let me look that up while you keep talking. Okay, because I, I, I'm, you know, I didn't look at the tie-in list. I'm not really sure what book that might show up in. I would think like a, a maybe more mystical related uh, issue, but um, yeah, I just really wish that we had maybe seen a little bit more of that. I wish he had had a bigger role within the pages of. Well, we, clearly he has a big role here, but um, I, I wish we could have seen that in the book. Yeah, I'd like to know which book that was in if it if it was. I can't can't really think of what book it would be. Um they didn't really have like a Justice League Dark or whatever, you know. Right, right. Although although so much about this uh totally um reminds me of the current Justice League Dark series, especially the the witching hour type stuff, run, running into a lot of the same villains. And yes, what, yeah. What I was gonna say is that this fourth issue is basically the um, the entirety of like 2008 to 11 DC Comics are all seated here. Yeah, um, but it's in the uh, the Clarion shows up in the Demon issue. Oh, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Yep, yep. That totally makes sense. Cool. Um, okay. Um, at this point, the DC heroes, kind of the, the the whole brigade, show up to New Olympus to try to save the day in Diana's honor um, because she's at this point she's not there. Um, and I'm kind of I'm losing track in my I don't have it in my notes. Where is the part where the Shazam stuff comes into play, Brian? It's that you right, wanna, right, around, you wanna, right around here. Okay, yeah, you want to just go off on that? Yeah, give me. Yeah, um, sure. So essentially, Billy Batson is wiped of his power because of all the shenanigans that are happening, and so he's dying, and so he needs basically a restart of his powers. And so the wizard dis- discusses how, you know, many, many years ago, he collected like a bit of the essence of all the characters that make up the Shazam acronym, starting with Solomon. And and, and one of the things that I had never really thought about was how the, uh, the acronym features Greek, mostly Greek gods, I'm sorry, mostly Roman gods, but a Greek god and, uh, and a, a Jewish character in Solomon. Like I had never really put together that it was, that they were from all different religious and just like uh, mythological backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know why I never thought of it. I should have, but I never really did. So this this tells the story of how he initially did that, 
Well, since all of those beings are back because of this, he basically does that again, but he needs a vessel to keep their essence in. So he takes the metal men and puts each of the attributes of one of these people into a different one of the metal men to keep them safe. And I just think that's such a cool use of the metal men to basically be like lock boxes for the powers of Shazam. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. That's that is cool. Yeah. There are so many little things like that throughout this where, you know, like with the Animal Man thing, the Geoforce thing, just very smart uses for these characters. Um, man, yeah, this this was such a golden time for Perez. I feel like he was just uh, firing on all cylinders as far as like comic booking, artistry, and just the way that he thought about these characters and how to use them. Well, I mean, how how was he on Wonder Woman from the first issue? Yes. So I mean, that, in volume I, two, yeah. Yeah, I yep. think that this is this is basically a great argument for letting a creator just have a really extended run on a character because if you're looking at the editors boxes throughout this, so many of the editors boxes are going back to issue eleven of Wonder Woman or issue seventeen or issue forty. You know, he's he's been able to sort of begin to plant these seeds many years ago and many issues ago and you give him enough time and he'll put it all together into something really interesting and i think that that is why certain events resonate more now than others because you're allowing these creators to make the event feel like it's a natural extension of something they were already doing and that will always be better than the sort of slapdash thrown together event so this is not meant as a knock on Perez, but I think that in addition to Perez being at the peak of his powers, he also has just so much familiarity and knowledge and experience with these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Okay. Um, so at this point... Um, Ares is kind of ordering... He's the god of war, and he's he's wants the war the the war between the gods to end um meanwhile cersei is making the dead rise and that that is <laughs> that's the blackest night, moment. Blackest night. Yeah. i was yeah. just gonna say major blackest night vibes like to the to the point where it's like um dead characters who have connections to living characters coming and saying something uh really messy and awful about them, you know. Yeah, it is. Like, it is exactly Blackest Night. <laughs> it is. Yep. It's. It is the same thing. It's. Uh, who shows up? Uh, Kat Matui and um, uh, uh, Abin Sur. Abin Sur. Abin Sur. To say uh, that Guy Gardner Chula, doesn't. Aqua Girl. To be, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's. It's. It's great stuff. And it the doesn't. Justice it doesn't last. Detroit people show up. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It only lasts a few pages, but. Um, but it's good stuff. Um, and and then so uh, Diana uh, comes back to life and has a really cool set of armor at this point. <laughs> Costumes are a 10 out of 10, <laughs> I think. Um, yes. And, uh, and the way that she finally defeats Cersei is pretty cool, I think. Um, so help me out here because I, I'm not sure I 100% like 
am going to get this right, but like, um, Cersei is like blasting her with like whatever power, energy, whatever. And she somehow reflects it into Donna's like armor. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then, and then meanwhile, Cronus, so like the dead, the dead god Cronus, who has, has been referenced. Um, several times throughout this thing, uh, is calling back Hecate, which is who that that is the goddess that Cersei has been, uh, sort of the conduit for her powers this entire time. Like every spell that Cersei has been trying to do has been through uh, the goddess Hecate's power, and Cronus calls her back. Uh, you know, as all these gods are, as all these gods are deciding to to lay down their arms, and that is draining Cersei's power because that's where she's getting it all. So, so then at that point she can easily be defeated. Basically, did I did I get that basically right? Yes. Okay. So then, th- that's basically the end of the conflict. Then you get a little bit of sort of falling action where the gods decide to leave again. Um, which was the pre-War of the Gods status quo. And the they kind of do this thing where they're like, you know, you, you defeated the true villain of this without us. You clearly don't need us around. Uh, actually, we just made everything worse. So, <laughs> um, so we're going to peace out. And, uh, and they all leave. And uh, the Phantom Stranger ends up visiting the Fates to sort of see where a few of the principal, different principal characters from War of the Gods end up, and I'm not really going to go over any of that, but it's just kind of it just kind of winds everything down, shows you where everybody's going to be in the current status quo, and then that ends the War of the Gods. But we do have to talk about the very last issue of Wonder Woman in Perez's run, 62, um, because this is his last issue. It doesn't really have much to do with with War of the Gods other than just the fallout. Um, but I think it's important because Perez's run is so good and it's a, it's a uh, kind of a all-encompassing way to honor his run. Um, we see the uh, Themyscirians rebuilding their island, which has been like utterly wrecked. We see... Uh, mother and daughter reunited. Hippolyta's been nursed back to health. Um, we see Man's World apologize to the Amazons for misunderstanding them and uh, all of that stuff. And we see Steve and Etta together again. Uh, originally, they were supposed to get married by the end of Perez's run, but he never got to do the actual marriage issue wedding issue for them uh which is a little little bit of a disappointment um and then we also see vanessa capitalis's graduation and there's a kind of a grad a nice graduation speech that kind of runs through every panel that also kind of punctuates diana and what she's doing and saying goodbye to the the 
Vanessa and Julia. And then there's a little meta epilogue at the very end where they talk about a new a new writer writing the Wonder Woman comic book, but it's it's the comic book in the DC universe, you know. But but there's a little note from Perez there too about how honored he was to be able to chronicle Wonder Woman's adventures. And I like that because it's like, you know, it's it's like they would exist whether he was there or not, you know? Right, uh, yeah. I just think that, that that's a nice little touch. And that's the end. Anything I missed that you guys want to talk about? No, I think you did an excellent job recapping everything. Thank yeah, you. same. I'm out of, I'm very parched now. <laughs> um, but this is, yeah. This is easily one of my favorite events I think that I've ever read. It's my favorite one so far in our uh, crossover event read-throughs. Crisis management is that is that what yeah. you're calling this? Yeah, crisis yeah. management. Yeah, um, I think there might be one or two events down the road that edge it out, but but really, I, I do think this is just about the highest quality event that you can expect with like very. Very few bumps along the way. I think even even some of the good events in DC's history have like tie-in issues or aspects to them that, looking back on it, w- weren't so great, you know. But there's really not much here to com- anything I would complain about is extremely minor. Yeah, and what, what I'll say about that is I am somebody who tends to not like the Themyscarian Wonder Woman stories that much. And I really enjoyed this. And so I, I think it's a credit to how good Perez was, like you said, how on top of his game Perez was here, that as somebody who typically doesn't like that stuff, I still found this stuff very engaging. Mm. Zach, any final words on this? Um, no, yeah. I mean, I've already spoken, you know, my high praise for this. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I really do kind of want to go back and read more of uh a read perez's wonder woman from the start i don't know if i will but oh yeah baby, uh, you should. uh i i might i might it, it was really good I, I liked it a lot it's interesting to think what would have happened if dc had listened to perez and had really made a push to celebrate her anniversary if that would have goosed things sales wise for wonder woman and maybe that would have established her as a more prominent part of DC's marketing for a long time. You know, we've long talked about how she's a third of the Trinity, but until very recently, she was not treated as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? All right. Well, uh, next week we have, speaking of Trinity, we have Trinity. <laughs> Didn't even mean to do that on purpose, but here we are. Uh, have either of you read Trinity before? Never. No. Neither do I. Neither have I. I have. I have very little idea of what this event is like. I've read the other Trinity. Yes. Uh, which other one? There's a couple other ones. Well, the 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 weekly one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or was it biweekly or weekly or it yeah. was it was the long when, one. It was back when DC loved doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, join us next week for Trinity. Until then. Uh, I do want to say I'm going to put something at the beginning of, of last week's show. You've already heard this now twice, but our friend Greg Matasevich, the co-host of Robots from Tomorrow, a frequent guest on this show, he is doing something very, very cool. He does a column from Multiversity called Shelf Bound, 
where he talks about uh, binding comics, and he's a big proponent of having bound collections of comics, and he is auctioning off 34 different collections uh, going to the Hero Initiative and also, um, I can't think of that offhand, but a, a, a charity that is specifically helping out comic book shops during this COVID-19 crisis. And so uh, every day at multi- every weekday at Multiversity, Greg is auctioning off some new comics. So um, if you take a look at some of the stuff he's doing, it's really cool. I know he's doing a two-volume uh, Mark Wade's The Flash bind, and uh, I might have to put in a bid for that one. Um, there, 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 there's some really good stuff that Greg is doing there, and it's a great idea that Greg has. And so go support Greg and do that uh, if that sounds like something that interests you. And, uh, Greg's the best. Greg is is truly one of the the best guys that we know, and uh, anything anything Greg sets his mind to is is worth your time. And this is a really noble use of his time uh, right now. So definitely check that out. And until then, uh, if you need to get in touch with us, uh, Vince is always on the uh, the DC Three Cast Twitter account, but Zach and I have our own private Twitters. Uh, I am at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you do need to get in touch with Vince and he is not manning the DC3 account, uh, he he posted something on uh, on Farmers Only a couple weeks ago that was talking about how uh, how attractive he found Cersei. And so, Jesus. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, you were trying to get a date on Farmers Only. And so you were looking for a real Cersei type. <sighs> I, I said, is it just me or is Cersei kind of nice with it? So if you need him, you can find him, uh, you know, searching Reddit for uh, Sexy Cersei. Yeah. <laughs> sexy Cersei. He's the only poster on Sims for Cersei, r slash Sims for Cersei. <laughs> Sims for Cersei, that's fantastic. Uh, you made a fool of everyone. Very, very nice uh, Sexy Sadie reference there. Uh, until next time, folks, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for Trinity. Bye. It's my way or the old space high. <laughs> <laughs>